Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. I so appreciate Pastor Greg's involvement in our missions outreach and uh, the, the leadership that he's taken there has just really uh, been phenomenal to see what, uh, how God's using him when we go on these trips. And, uh, you know, he, he said something in, in, uh, today about the importance of reaching where we are. If you'll notice that Rich Walker, when he talked about the establishing of churches that uh, the Lord's called him to do in these places in Europe, he said... God is, is leading him to establish word and spirit churches. And uh, that's so important that the spirit of God, that the church be filled with the spirit in all of its outreaches and all of its evangelists and that it's spirit directed and spirit empowered. And, uh, and so when I've been teaching, the, I'm gonna get back today. It's been three weeks since I've taught on this subject because Last week, I, I spent the whole time talking about the Africa report. Two weeks before that, I was either in Africa or on my way to Africa. And, uh, and so I want to get back to that subject today about us being a spirit-filled church as the temple of God. But let me, let me uh, make something uh, clear, point something out. Today, it seems like the church world uh, uh, is either in one camp or another camp on, on this particular issue that I'm about to bring up. You will hear uh, people talk about uh, the church and the spirit-filled life and the excitement of the spirit and the move and the demonstration of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and how important that is. And we come to church and we're edified and, and experience God's presence. And, and it seems like that's one camp. And then there's another camp and all they talk about is evangelism. And it's, you, you often hear this criticism. I just read someone uh, post in social media just last week or the week before about, you know, if, if your church is just interested in, if you're just interested in coming and have a, having a good time in God's presence, but you're not interested in the lost, then you're missing the mark. Well, it's not an either or proposition. Amen. And so I'm gonna show you today, I don't know if I'll get... Uh, as far into it today to, to bring this out. But if you stay with me, we'll see how the spirit-filled life and the spirit-filled church, how essential that is to really fulfilling our mandate to reach the lost. Because you have people that all they talk about is evangelism and outreach and they have all of these plans and, and, and programs involved and, and they're doing all of these things. I just don't see them winning the world. I don't see our communities really changing. I don't really see revival gripping cities where they, where they have large churches that have these outreaches. I just don't see it producing significant change. Nor do I see the spirit-filled churches producing significant change. It's when we marry these things together in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that's when we'll see change and revival come and, and the move of God come and the church fulfill its mandate in these last days. And so what this is, this is what this is all about. So because it's been three weeks, I'm going to real quickly hit the highlights of, of what I ministered before I left and go with me to, uh, uh, go with me to Matthew 
the 16th chapter, and we'll just read this as a text, uh, kind of a, a foundational text, this and one other passage as our foundational text. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, a very familiar uh, verse, he said to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I, this is Jesus talking, he said, I will build my church. If you want to know what God's doing today in the earth, he's building the church. Jesus, if you want to be Christ-like, then get involved with what he's doing. Do what he's doing. He said, I will build my church. That's what he's doing. And he's building strong, spirit-filled churches that know how to flow with the Holy Spirit in these last days. So he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, church, we're not going under and we're not going away. We're getting stronger and brighter. As the world gets darker, it's God's plan that the people of God become more light, become brighter, more filled with his presence. Amen? And let's go then to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We've looked at this passage before, but we'll look at it again. Praise the Lord. Verse number 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you look at the context, which you can do when you go home today, and I encourage you to do it, if you look at the verses that go before this, he's really not talking about the individual believer being the temple of God. He's talking about the church being the temple of God, and he was writing to a local church. He said, you are the temple of God, and God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. So we know this, that there are two uh, concepts of the church that are both legitimate, both real, uh, and that is the universal church and the local church. The universal church we all know is made up of born-again believers all over the world regardless of their, uh, of their uh, church involvement or their, or their denomination affiliation or, or, or any of those things. If you are a born-again Christian, if you're in Christ, you're part of the church. We also found, and we're going to look at this verse of Scripture in, in just a moment that shows this, that the universal church is not just made up of disconnected believers. It's not just, it's, it doesn't exist just on one level, and, and that is you're a part of the church if you're a Christian. The universal church is also made up of local churches. God puts local churches together. The universal church is made up of local churches. So there's the universal church. And then, of course, there is the local church, which is what we're talking about. And uh, this passage is talking primarily about the local church because he's addressing a local church. He isn't, like I said uh, in one of the previous sessions, the idea of the universal church is found more in the book of Ephesians and, and perhaps Colossians than it is anywhere else in the New Testament. And so there is a universal church. It's a Bible truth. But in the earliest days of, of the gospel, after the, after the Lord ascended into heaven and the, and the apostles and the believers and Christians went out spreading the good news, in the earliest days, in that first century, when the New Testament was being written by men like Peter and Paul and John and these, and these epistles were being circulated in the church, the primary of consciousness or awareness of what the church was was the local church. That was their most fundamental and basic understanding of what it meant to be the church. They, they, they more than anything else related to the local church. 
The universal church was a truth that was in the word of God, but it took a little longer for people to, to for, the, for the understanding of what the universal church was, that, that there was a universal church and, and, and the importance of that. It took a while for that to gain traction because, you know, the, you think, well, people in the first century, and, the, and when the, when the uh, books of the Bible were being written, they just un understood everything in them. They were 100% alike. Well, they weren't. They're just like us. And, and the apostles wrote these things and the churches received these epistles and they read them and the pastors preached on them and they circulated them among the churches. That doesn't mean they understood everything in them. And so it took a while and I think it was not until the fourth century early in the fourth century that an actual doctrine was established in the church concerning the universal church and it was called the universal or Catholic church. Now the term Catholic at that time wasn't, did, was not related at all to what we've come to know as the Roman Catholic church. The word Catholic just means the universal church. And so that was when that doctrine actually become part of the, uh, or that understanding became part of the doctrine of the church. I'm saying all of that to say this. It was true in the beginning, but in the beginning, most people had a concept of the local church first and foremost. Do you get that? Amen. So uh, uh, we, we know that the church is the temple of God. We know that the universal church is the temple of God. We know the local church is the temple of God. We also know that our bodies are the temple of the Spirit of God. Does, it, does everybody know that? We don't have to look at a verse of Scripture. You know that your bodies, it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6, it talks about your body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body and my body are the temple or the house. Uh, uh, our bodies are the house in which God dwells by His Spirit. But this local church is a body. And it's a house where God dwells by his spirit. Amen? So we, we pointed out these things. Let me go on. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm trying to quickly step back to where we were. Ephesians chapter 2. He says something very important here. And let's look at verse number 19. We'll start in verse 19. And we'll read through verse 22. And then we'll go back and make some, some commentary. Verse number 19 now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation. Everybody say foundation. This is an important word as we go forward. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Glory to God. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. We pointed out that in verse 21 when it says in whom the whole building, he's talking about the universal church there. Because the words that are translated the whole building in the original Greek, they mean every building. That's what it originally says in the Greek. In whom every building. The American Standard Version says in whom each several building. Several has, has, has reference to more than one, distinct 
a number of or a group of something. Isn't that right? In whom each several building, well, what would, the, what would those each separate, separate building be? It would be the, the universal church. Well, it would be the local churches. Each several building would be each local church being fitted together. That's where you get the universal church grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, I want to point this out because I want to point it out again uh, in a few minutes. Notice that being fitted together grows into. This is something that is still going on. It's not complete yet. The universal church isn't complete because people are, are still being born again and new churches are still being raised up. And it's in the plan of God and the work of God, what God is doing right now is he is fitting together local churches. I said this before, I'm gonna say it again. God is fitting local churches together, not pitting local churches against one another. And we need to be very careful how we treat members of other churches. If God has called someone to a local church and planted them there, how dare any other Christian try to get them out of that and say, hey, you leave there and come over and join my group. Now, people do leave churches for right reasons. Sometimes the Spirit of God releases someone and begins to deal with them. You let God deal with that. Amen. I don't want to be guilty of getting somebody out of their place in order to build my ego. Well, praise the Lord. We'll go on. Amen. In whom the whole building, each several building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, this, this passage turns on the next few words. He says, in whom you also are being built. In whom you also. You, what's the distinction? He's talking about the whole building that's made up of of. of each several building being fitted together, the universal church. And then he says, in whom you also, who also? The people he was writing to, the church at Ephesus. In whom you at Ephesus also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. In other words, in other words he's saying God is fitting all of the several buildings worldwide together. But he's also doing something in you in the local church. What's he doing? In whom you also are being built together for what purpose? For a dwelling place of God in the spirit. God wants to have his permanent dwelling in us. Now we know he has his permanent dwelling in our bodies. My body and your body are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells, if you're born again, the spirit of God dwells in me and he dwells in you. It's, but it's one thing for, for me to have the Spirit. It's another thing for me to be yielded to the Spirit. It's another thing for me and you to allow the Spirit to do what he wants to do in us. It's, another, it's one thing to have the Spirit. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit. Well, the same thing is true in a local church. Every church that is, now we know there are cults and there are churches that, you know, that, that uh, maybe God didn't have anything to do with. But if, a, if God has raised up a church, then his spirit dwells in that church. But he's not finished with just having his spirit dwell in them. He wants to fill that church with the spirit. There's, there's a difference than the spirit being in a church and the church being filled with the spirit. 
Just like there's a difference in your life than having the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. We often refer to churches as, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, they're going to a good Spirit-filled church. What people usually mean by that is they go to a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the people in the, in the church have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they, uh, they recognize the gifts of the Spirit and so forth. That's a Spirit-filled church. A spirit, but a Spirit-filled church is really a church that the Spirit is filling. That the, that the Spirit is, is moving afresh and anew. It, and it goes beyond what we believe and what we experience individually it, 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 it's important that I am filled with the Spirit individually, but it's also important that when we come together, God fills us collectively as a body. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Now, uh, let, me, let me just read a couple of translations here that, that'll help. The Canterbury's translation of verse number uh, 22 says, and in him, not others only, but you also. See, this brings out the, the, the distinction that he's talking about the universal church and he's comparing then the local church. In him, not only others, but you also, the local church at Ephesus, are, be, are being built up. To, Canterbury goes on to say to make a house wherein God may dwell by the presence of his spirit. God, God wants a house where he can dwell where he can dwell. Now, I, I got into the edge of this last night with my wife, and I, I don't know if we have time to explore this, but go with me over to uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We didn't get into this verse, and uh, this is just a marvelous thing. 1 Peter chapter 2. I think it's, this is not really on topic, but, but this is so good, you just have to, you have to read this. Start in verse one. Therefore, laying aside all malice. Now, who in the world is he talking to? Is he talking to the creeps down the street? <laughs> He's talking to Christians. Lay aside all malice. Do Christians have some malice to lay aside? Well, evidently they do. Lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. The church just might have some things to lay aside. And they're not all pretty things. <laughs> Do you believe the church was different then than it is now? You believe people were different? If one thing Pastor Greg and I have reestablished in our lives going on these trips is the church is the same everywhere you go. But why? Because people are the same. It doesn't matter what, what color. It doesn't matter what their, what their heritage is. It doesn't matter what their culture is. It doesn't matter what their nationality is. People are the same. And when they gather together in churches, their churches are just like other churches. And there will be malice. Oh, Pastor, that's not very nice. Well, I'm just blaming on the apostle Peter. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. At, who's he talking to? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. These are people who have tasted of the graciousness of the Lord. But notice they're newborn babes and they need to grow. 
evil speaking, speaking evil of one another, envy, being deceitful. These are all indications of immaturity. It's not an indication that you're not saved. It's an indication that you're just, if you're born again, you, you just need to grow up. Amen. Now, here's, here's what we want to get into. Coming to him. Coming to him. How do you get free from those things? Come to him. Now, we, we, we talk about people coming to Christ. That's a, that's, a, that's a phrase we use for people getting saved. We had 13 people come to Christ or whatever. How many of you realize you come to Christ to be born again, but you still need, you still need to keep coming to him? You still need to keep visiting the Lord. You still, keep need, you still need to keep coming to him so that you get rid of this deceit and malice and all these things that your flesh wants to stir up. Amen. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now let me skip over Verse number five, because I because I want to I want to come back to that. Notice he says that Jesus is a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Therefore, verse six, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Hold your place, go over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And look at verse number 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. They're not all in heaven, but they're registered in heaven. Thank God my registration is secure. Praise the Lord. Registered in heaven to the two the God, to God, the just of all and to the spirits of just or righteous men made perfect. So when he's talking about Zion, laying in Zion a chief cornerstone, he's talking about laying this cornerstone in the church of the living God, okay? Go back to First Peter. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. When it says the chief cornerstone, that's the idea of the most fundamental foundation. Now, we read in Ephesians chapter 2 that the church is being built upon the foundations of the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So there's, there's a foundation that the apostles laid, but Jesus is that foundation. They weren't the foundation. They were laying the foundation through their teaching, but Jesus is the foundation. He is the foundation upon which the church is built but he's more than just a dormant foundation. He's, this foundation of the church is a, is a stone. And it's a, he's a living stone. This stone has eyes like a flame of fire. His feet look like they've been, they've been burned in a, in a furnace. His voice is like the sound of, of many waters. That's this living stone that the church is built on. It's built on that. 
But he's not the only stone. Verse number five, you also as living stones are being built. I, I have since I've, you know, my wife and I have built, built a house recently. We've been in about four and a half months. And uh, it's the first house we've ever built. We've always bought houses, you know, owned by somebody else. And so it was so neat to watch the process. And early on, after the foundation of our house was built, I checked on Google Earth. How many of you watch, ever looked at Google Earth on an app? Google Earth is an app on your, on your computer device where you can see a picture of the earth from outer space and you can zoom right in to your house. How many, don't tell me you've never done this. In December of last year, Google Earth, that was the last upgrade or the, the latest version of the picture that's online anyway. My house is a foundation I zoomed in on it last night. I flew in from outer space and, you know, and the, the ground just came up and the cities came up and the roads and the, and the, and the forests and there was my foundation. <laughs> and a year later, it's still just a foundation on the picture. But see, a foundation's not a house. I remember the foundation. I was excited when the foundation was poured and I, I watched it. But I was, I was more excited when the walls started going up. Tell me if you've built a house, you know what I'm talking about. They, the framers came out and they started putting up the walls and I watched it, it was just so neat. I'd go out there and they put in the walls because I was walking around in the foundation. I'm going now, where is everything? Okay, this is my study. Boy, this looks small. I'm not even gonna have time to, room to turn around in here. And You know, it, it, you couldn't make a whole lot out of it because listen, you can't build a house without a foundation. You build any kind of, you build a brick house or a block house or a mud hut. If it doesn't have a, a, a foundation, it's not gonna last. Jesus is the living foundation. He's alive and he's one ginormous stone. But the walls are going up. I remember the walls going up. I remember when the, when the, uh, the, the roof, the, the trusses were delivered and they picked them up with the big crane and flew them out and set them in place. And I went around taking pictures. It was just so cool. It's beginning to take shape. They put the trusses up and then they put the siding around the, around the walls and they got everything squared up with the trusses and, and made it all fit and it looked like it was bowing, but they assured me it wouldn't be when it was over, you know. <laughs> and, and they put all that together and then they put, the, they put the, the roof on and they put the paper down and then they put the, you know, dried it in and then they came back and put the shingles on. I watched them put the air conditioner on the inside. They started putting up the walls. Ooh, that was exciting. Saw the walls go up. There's now definition of these rooms, you know, and it rained in and I'm thinking my walls are getting wet, but you know, no problem, Pastor. It's gonna be okay. Put the, 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 the framing went up inside. I watched them run the air conditioning ducts in the, in the attic and I watched them put the electrical in and then they came in and they put the sheetrock up. Ooh, boy, that was neat. They put the sheetrock up. They were, well, the, the, the workers weren't very neat, but the, it, was, it was neat to have it done. And they came in and they plastered it. And then they did the finish work, you know, in the, with the electrical to start putting in the switches. And, 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 and I watched all of that come up. And it became more and more exciting. And, and 
you know, when, when they started putting the finishing touches on, putting the trim and the flooring and installing the, the, the appliances, it was so neat because that was my house. It wasn't just anybody's house. This was my house. And I, and I, I laid it out. I put the rooms, you know, as I wanted them and the size I wanted them. And it was, who was it for? It wasn't for the builders. It was for me. It's my house. Since we've moved in, and I know this is, this is probably corny, but this is still new to me. I, I, my wife and I are so comfortable in this house. It's just perfect for us. We, we really love it. We're just, it's, we sit around and, and, and we just remark to one another, this is just really what we want. We're just really comfortable. I like to walk around, I like to walk around my house at night from the outside and look in the windows. <laughs> and I think about how <laughs> peeping Tom, <laughs> my house, but I think when I look in, I see how warm it is, how inviting it is because it was built for my pleasure and her pleasure. It wasn't built for you. It was built for me and her. It's our house. We get to do what we want to do. We can sit where we want to sit. We can sleep where we want to sleep. We can walk where we want to talk, walk or do. We, it's our house. God is building a house. We are not the occupants of the house. We are the house. There's a difference. I think most Christians think of themselves as occupants of the local church. Listen, the local church is the house. He said, as living stones, as living stones, you are being, notice this again, this progression, you are being built up a spiritual house. A spiritual house. Whose house is it? It's not my house. Listen, the pastor is just the manager and I have other managers under me, but it's God's house. This local church is, is a place for God to dwell. And we need to, and I, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit to, to something we'll, we'll delve into more uh, uh, completely in, in next time. We talk about unity. And I've had people actually get uh, somewhat angry with me and, and they referred to this doctrine of unity this unity doctrine you keep preaching and they got very offended because I was talking about unity and I didn't ex I'll, take, I'll take the blame I didn't explain myself as good as I could have they were under the impression that I was, when I'm talking about Christian unity, I'm talking about when we come together, we, we need to be in unity, in one accord, that everybody has to think the same. That, that to be in unity, we all have to be like robots. And so we all, we all think, we're like the Stepford wives. You know, we all look alike and dress alike and think alike and act alike, you know. 
That's not what, that's not what unity is. Unity is not the absence of offense and division. That's, unity is, not, is, is way more uh, proactive than that. Unity is a spirit of a joint spirit of hunger for God's best. Where we want God's will, it's a joined pursuit of the presence of God. You're never going to agree with anybody other than yourself all the time. You can't even agree with your spouse but a portion of the time. I won't say to what degree. Can you imagine getting a church like this? Everybody thinks the same about everything. No. Unity is not, you'll never have that. Unity is when people, like I said before recently, when people no longer are concerned about the things they disagree on because they're so hungry for God. They're so hungry to please God. I just want God to move. It's his house. It's not our house. We're just, we are the house, but not for ourselves. So... People, people struggle many times in the local church because they can't, they don't understand why things aren't the way they want it. <laughs> well, I would serve in the ushers, but every time I try to serve, they, they want me to do stuff that I don't want to do. I don't know why it's this way. And so they'll quit serving. I don't know why when we have a fellowship, I don't know why in the world Kim, who runs the fellowships and oversees them, why in the world we have to set the drink counter up and have the drinks lined up just like that. That's not the way we did it in the church I came from. Well, you're not in the church you came from. <laughs> just have enough understanding that there's probably a reason why Kim wants to line the drinks up a certain way. It's or the ushers do what they do a certain way or other things. It's probably because it works for us. I was, I was, we were walking around last night and I, outside and I said, can you imagine, can you imagine if your closet could talk? Can you imagine if your closet said, I don't want this stuff in here. I don't want this. I'm a closet. Don't put boxes in here. This is not what I imagined I would be. I had a different idea of what I'd look like as a closet. Or can you imagine the carpet say, I used to be a, a, a gray carpet in the other church, and now you want me to be a, a tan carpet, a taupe. I don't want to be a taupe carpet. I want to be a gray carpet. Now that's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> We're all living stones that God is building together. Why? So that he can walk into that house and go, oh, I love this house. I am so happy in this house. I just feel at home in this house. Everything in this house is just the way I like it. That's what he wants to do in a local church. Oh, glory to God. He, he wants... I want, as my assignment and your assignment as living stones is to reflect the desire of the foundation. 
and, the, and reflect the desire of the, of the person who owns the house and to do his will. And it really doesn't matter if I don't get to have my way or you don't get, you say, well, that's easy for you to say you're the pastor. Listen, like I said, I'm just a manager. My, I don't have any interest other than I want to see God do what he wants to do. I want to see God have his way. There are people who don't like the singing. They don't like Steve's choice of songs because they listen to Christian radio and they would rather he sing Christian radio songs because they listen to that all week. Why doesn't Brother Steve play the radio song? Why don't, why don't we learn the, the, the Christian radio songs that I listen to all of the time? Well, I know Brother Steve, he chooses songs that will invite the presence of God. He chooses songs to make God feel at home. Not just because he likes them or we like them or they're popular and they're, they're on the top 40 Christian list. I know him. He chooses songs to invite the presence of God. And that's what all of the staff here do. We're, our, our only desire is to have God fill this place. I'm going to tell you, I don't know that there have ever been very many churches, local churches, that have really reached that place. That's why he's still building. He's still building the church. There have probably been very few local churches ever that got to the place where God could fully and completely fill. You say, well, now, now you're, you're presenting this as an impossible dream. No, I'm not. Brother Hagen pastored several different churches in his, in his short tenure when he was pastoring. And he said of those four or five churches, he said he was only able to get one church to this place that I'm talking about. He said, I was only able to get one church. He said, we got to the place where God would come in and fill that, that, that congregation. He said, we, we managed to become as one. Not, not, not mentally, not, not clones, but these were, these were simple people. These were small town farming community. Just ordinary folk. They came in with a, he was able to get them to a place where they had a joint desire and hunger for God to move. And he said some of the most remarkable things you've ever seen would happen. Let me tell you one story. He had an evangelist. I know I'm running over a few minutes, but we got a fellowship today. He had, a, he had an evangelist come in, and he said this man only had, a, I think it was either a fifth or an eighth grade education. I think it was a fifth grade education. Completely uneducated. He said, but in all of my years, he said, I never met a minister who was better at the kind of preaching he did. He told, he would take a Bible story and he would tell it in such a way that it would just come alive. And he would, he'd have people sitting on the edge of their seat. No education, but he, could, he was just gifted. And he would have people sitting on the edge of his seat. He said, I, he said, I was sitting on the platform one morning and he's talking to the church and he was preaching a message on the prodigal son. You know how the prodigal son, he had the prodigal son decide, you know, that it's time that I'm gonna get my inheritance. So he took his inheritance and, and left home and spent all of his inheritance, you know, living a wild life and how he came to the bottom, you know, and, and he was in the pig's pen. He said the people were just sitting there in, the, in, 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 in awe of the story. 
And the evangelist is just preaching. And he has the, the young man came to himself, you know, in the pig pen and realized, what am I doing here? You know, even the servants of my father have better than this. I, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm just going to beg to be a servant. So he journeyed to the father's house. And so the, this man's preaching and he has, the, he has the young man, you know, walking down the dusty road and he turns into the lane where his, where his house is. And he said, mom and pop are sitting on the, on the front porch rocking in their rocking chairs, you know. And uh, you had to do this in Texas, you know, imagery. And, and, and they're sitting on the front porch and they're walking, rocking in their rocking chair. And mom says, look down there at the, the end of that lane. Is that John? That sort of looks like John coming up. And, and Pops, you know, he gets his spectacles out and he puts them on. He says, well, he does walk like John. I think that is John. He said, the people were just sitting there in awe. He said, all of a sudden, it was like a flash went off in that. Now, young people don't know what flashbulbs are. Do you even know what a flashbulb is? Do you have flashbulbs? You're 45 years old. Do you have flashbulbs when you were a little boy? We didn't have any, did we? If you don't know what those are, used to you bought a camera and it didn't have a built-in flash. You would buy a package of light of flashbulbs, and they were about so big, and you'd stick them in a socket on the top of the camera and it had a reflector around it, you know. You'd take a picture. You know what the older people know what I'm talking about. When that flashbulb would go off, I mean, just for a minute, it would blind you. If you closed your eyes, you'd see this big blue orb. <laughs> and for just a moment, you know, you, you couldn't see Brother Aiken said, said, I was sitting on the platform and he's got the boy turning into the lane and mom and papa said, I think that's John. He said, all of a sudden, a, it's like a flash, a light went off. And he said, when they could see, every sinner in the house was in the altar. Every backslider was in the altar crying out for God. And they all got saved. Every person that hadn't been filled with the Spirit was sitting in their seat speaking with other tongues. And it happened like that. Now, some of you are like, oh, boy, you're making stuff up. There are a lot of things God wants to do that are so amazing. You could not have produced that probably in 25 evangelistic crusades that are operated under the ordinary uh, means. God can do in a minute, in a moment, more than we can do with all of our well-intended uh, plans. He said, all of a sudden, the people are in the altar, nobody knew how they got there. He said, after service, people were asking Brother Hagin, how did they get down there? Brother Hagin said, I don't know. I was blinded just like you. I didn't see it. But just like that, some of these people were sitting in the middle of a row or a, or a pew like this <clears throat> and people were saying, well, they didn't come. You know, if, if somebody, if, if, if Sparkle there had to get out <laughs> and go, you know, and to leave to go to the restaurant or something, you would know it, wouldn't you, Lori? If she climbed over your legs, you would know it. And you, or you guys would know it if she tried to get by. People said, well, they didn't come by me. I don't know how they got out. And the person sitting in front of them said, well, they didn't climb over the seat because I'd have known it if they did. We don't know how they got down there. So there they were. All got saved. All the backsliders came back just like that. That's, that's what God can do when he, and it was that church. That particular service, you know, was just a, a routine service. But the church had come to the place 
where they just wanted God to move. And he told some of the most amazing stories. One place he was in when that happened, when that light, he was in other services that he was preaching, where that flash went off. He said one man went to the window and looked out through the window. He thought Jesus had come back. Because the flash of light was, he said it was brighter than the sun. And, and he said when it happened, every, every person that was sick in the auditorium was healed. Everybody that hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit was sitting there speaking with other tongues. All the people who weren't saved were saved. And it happened just, he said, it, he told several stories over his life of that happening. That's just one little thing that God can do when a church gets hungry enough. Oh, glory to God. Hungry not to have the drinks lined up right. But to have the house full of the glory. That's what I'm talking about. Are you, are you with me? That's where God's taken us. If it could happen in that country church in, in Texas in the 1940s, it can happen here. It can happen here. God wants it here. I just want our house. I want God to walk into his house because he's here all the time. But I want God to have the same feeling that I had last night. I love this house. This is my house. And I like it. And I like being here. And I'm going to do what I want to do here. And, and everybody in the house likes what I'm doing. Because it's just you and me. She doesn't always like what I'm doing, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we don't have anybody to please but one another. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. You also are living stones. You are the framing you are the drywall. You are the uh, electrical components in the church. You are the heating and the cooling. See, we all have gifts to bring into the body of Christ. We all have gifts to bring into this local church. We all, as living stones, offer our part of this magnificent structure that God is, and he's taking each one of us and he's encouraging us and he's revealing himself to us. And, and, and as, we, as we pray and seek him, he is revealing more to us about our particular part and how we can do it. Oh, glory. Somebody said, well, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I, I try to be. But I don't, I don't see it happening. I, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to do my part. You know, the key to being filled with the Spirit, I've, I've, I've come to learn this. One huge essential key, would you like to hear it? To being filled with the Spirit. Are you ready? Stop being so full of yourself. You can't be full of the Spirit and full of yourself at the same time. I think that's the biggest problem we have. Oh, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. We get outside the building and the Spirit witnesses 
when you go home tonight, pray a little bit. When you get home, you say, I don't want to pray. My, 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 my series is on tonight. And then you wonder why you're not, we're, we're not filled with the Spirit. Because we're filled with ourselves. Whew. Well, I didn't have to close it on a positive note, did I? <laughs> oh, glory to God. He's taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. Amen. How many of you are going with us? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we just want your will to be done among us in our church in our church, in our lives, and in our church. We want to be filled with you. We have to lay aside some things. We have to lay aside malice. We have to lay aside deceit. We have to lay aside hypocrisy, envy, self-will, these are things, Father, we know that we have to lay aside. We don't always know exactly how to do that. But, Father, our heart, our heart is to lay these things aside. If you agree with me, can you say amen? amen. Our heart is to lay these things aside more and more so that you can do what you want to do, so that you can have your way in our lives and in our church that you would receive the glory that like the, the apostle Paul said if someone unlearned comes in someone unreached someone lost they'll fall down on their face and acknowledge that God is among these people. That God is in this spiritual house. Father, I personally know this and I believe we're all coming to this realization that by might and by power, by our own ability, we'll never build this house. The psalmist said, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Father, we're, we're, we're tired of vain labor. We're tired of vain labor. Build this house the way you want it built. Build this house the way you want it built. And may every living stone in this house Commit to lay us, laying aside anything of self, any motive or agenda or selfish plan or purpose, and just seek your will in everything, Father, in this house. That this house would rise up, a spiritual house, not a, not a, a brick and mortar house, a spiritual house inside these brick and mortar walls. A spiritual house would arise, Father, that's so full of your glory, so full of your presence that we'll realize 
the vanity of our own desires, the emptiness of our own will. And those things that we thought were so important will be shown to be so meager. Beggarly. Beggarly, the Bible describes them. The beggarly things of this life in exchange for your glory. In exchange for your presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. I know you're doing a work right now. You're doing a work on, on, on our hearts right now. You're doing a work in us, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, if, our, if we've had our toes stepped on today, you said let, let us turn and be healed rather than the lame being turned out of the way. Let us instead turn to you. Let us put aside hurt feelings. Put aside the natural, the things of this natural world in our, in our opinions. In our, we'll all have opinions, but they just don't have to matter that much. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.